Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast, or as Endo's alternate title that he suggested happens to be, Toog and a Half Men. Um, we are back again. It is us, the guys, the fellas, ready to talk more about the world of hockey. And, and Family Guy for Sin and I, as we'll continue to make references throughout every podcast. Sin, you're here. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, we just had a great ECL cast, and now we're doing a podcast because I guess some big news happened in the NHL. More on that later. Stick with us. <laughs> Endo, you're here. Any idea what this big news could be about that has us recording on a Monday again instead of just on a Thursday? We're resigning. (laughs) This is it, everybody. (laughs) It's the moment you've all been waiting for. We're fucking done. (laughs) I got cooked on Twitter last night, so we're done. I've had enough. I didn't. You did? More on that later. That's not new. You should be used to that. I can work that into a into a show topic it's gonna be fun uh gentlemen how how was the weekend how are you i don't care about hockey at the moment i, I care about my friends endo how are you oh me i'm good i got my friend yoshi in the back there I got yarn yoshi the big yoshi um yeah it's all good it's playing some good nice head thoughts uh head empty no thoughts music in the background it's nice it's going good. It's going good. Got got this fancy aluminum cup, ball cup. It's great. Should get a copper cup. What? what are your thoughts on the Stanley Cup? Oh, that fucking bullshit. The suburban mother's fucking holy grail. Jesus Christ. I could go on, but I'm going to stop myself because that's my New Year's resolution. <sighs> Unless you want me to keep going and I, <laughs> you well, know I, mean- I can. You already went full Pierre by looking around your room to see what else you could talk about. <laughs> um, I have this trophy that's not mine. I also have that. Yeah. Sin. The Stanley Cup is stupid. You don't need more than one fucking thermal cup of that size. That's all. I, that's all I'll say. Jesus Christ. Just take that, it's not white fucking women. Pokemon, collect them all. Fucking motherfucker. Oh. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The weekend was 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 pretty good. You know, I I liked it better when it was the weekend and before he changed the name. Uh, he had a good Super Bowl performance that birthed a lot of memes. You know, so as as we affectionately call him around here, the weekend, the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it in a uh, in a Stewie Griffin impression, though. Oh, yes, the weekend. <laughs> Brian, I want to see the weekend. <laughs> oh, God. So, fun fact. We actually do have a lot to talk about today uh, in regards to hockey. It's been a busy couple of days. Um, but before we before we get into the the big topics, as we do, every once in a while, we like to hit a lovely little warm-up question. And my question is for Sin. You mentioned the Sports Gamer broadcast. Today was day two of five in a row in terms of broadcasts. Are we going 
to survive. Yes. <laughs> it's Yeah, we're going to make it. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. It's playoffs, baby. I'm glad playoffs. we're covering all of it. We covered less of the regular season to cover more of the playoffs, which is the fucking correct decision. Very true. Very, very true. Um, and you're right. It has been fun so far. Our real first question is this, and it comes from one bouncy McBoink Boink. What is a team building tool, meaning draft, trading, salary cap, etc.? What is a team building tool that you would like to add and take away in the NHL? Endo would like to take away waivers. <laughs> Him and all for, Leafs fans. For goaltenders specifically. <laughs> Harry Satiri was a Leaf for like a week. Five, five minutes. minutes. Five minutes. Oh, I don't man. know. I feel like it's kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, when I think about it, I wouldn't get rid of trading. No, I wouldn't get rid of the draft because certain teams God. would be fucking boned. Yeah. And look, the, the era of the past in Montreal's dominance, you can't take it away from them, but you also can't pretend that I the can't. Montreal Canadiens didn't have, well, yes, you can, you can try. Uh, you can't, take away from that era of dominance but you can't deny that the montreal canadiens essentially had first crack at every top prospect in quebec yeah at a time when that was probably the most important region in hockey to have dibs on Let's be honest it is um and had the drafts not become a thing ray bork would have been a hab. Mike Bossy would have been a hab amongst numerous other people. Um, that era of dominance wouldn't have, wouldn't have ended. Um, and it would have really changed, I think, the course of hockey history in so many ways beyond just cups, like the effect of like, what if the draft didn't become a thing until like 20, 30 years later? I mean, that the era of Montreal Canadiens dominance wouldn't have ended. That's just a fact. I um, would take away the draft lottery for the next three seasons and then put it back in. <laughs> good call. Good call. Um, good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with that would be my my choice. I mean, that's the thing, though. It says team building tools. So I don't know if we can get rid of the lottery without getting rid of the draft entirely. But I am perfectly okay with not having a draft lottery and just having it be NFL style. If you finished in last, you get the last pick. Unless you're the Carolina Panthers and you traded that pick away to the Chicago Bears, who did not finish in last, but the Bears will still have the first overall pick in this year's NFL oh, Bears. draft. Oh, Bears. Shout the Patriots, who will pick third, by the way. Third. And they'll they'll pick up a guy from a two star college as a project. <laughs> West no, Cornell shit. University of Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, California. <laughs> the polytechnical. <laughs> draft the U Sports guy. God, I want to see. I want to see like an NFL team actually draft a U Sports guy. It very <sighs> rarely happens, but it'll be really really funny to see. 
Oh God, yeah. With the third overall <laughs> pick, the New England—granted, not quite an esports guy—but the New England Patriots select Gut Fox. Um, for those of you who pay attention to the Madden community, that was a great joke. For those of you who don't, there you go. It is what it is. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. Um, God, I could talk about the Patriots for a while, but I won't because oof, depressing. Bill Belichick might be gone. We don't know yet for sure. Depressing. But yeah, in terms of answering the question, I don't know. I feel like the the lottery, like in terms of taking away, I feel like the structure for the league is really, really good. I wouldn't take away the salary cap because then you would still. We're going to talk about a certain team who would benefit greatly from there being no salary cap right about now. I uh, think most of their fan base wishes there wasn't a salary cap. More on that in a moment. I think um, Trey Living thinks that there isn't a salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Fair. man. Fair. Um, they thought Dubas was bad. It's all when about you get a Living in large, the moment, baby. This is, this is when you get a very large inheritance and you just start spending money. Mm. Or in Shaq when he got his first big contract and he <laughs> bought like cars and houses and shit. And then <laughs> his financial dude called him and said he was 50 grand in debt. He's like, no, I'm not. I only I got a million. I only spent five hundred thousand. Like, yeah, tax. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! And then Shaq proceeded to buy every fucking Papa John's, every shoe shop, everything. I mean, yeah, he's Shaq. He can afford it yeah. now. That's mm-hmm. for sure. He can afford it now. That's Doctor Shaq. Actually, he got a doctorate. Does he? Yeah, he's yeah, got a doctorate. Doctor O'Neill. Yeah, Doctor Shaq. I was like, Homer, doctor. <laughs> he's got he's got a PhD in Dunkinomics. <laughs> <laughs> it's required to break a backboard like he did multiple times. So Oh my god. There you go. Those are some of the best sports highlights of all time, by the way. It's just Shaquille O'Neal obliterating backboards. Yes. God damn the nineties. Yeah. I, mean, I, I like you won't likely when's the last time a backboard shattered in the nba like i feel like i've seen like the you know the mechanism hoisting it up like malfunction and it drop but in terms of like shattering the backboard i feel like they've there's like a shack rule in terms of how they're manufactured and that just doesn't happen anymore but if i'm wrong please let me know on twitter i would love to see somebody modern um make that happen uh, really quickly <laughs> only because we just talked about it i was doing one more scroll through of reddit and on my front page <laughs> oh lord was this and give me uh one second here for those of you who obviously are aren't watching the video side of things that it is what it is and it is a thing right here from the new england patriots subreddit in which a mock draft has the Patriots taking an offensive lineman and the person comments, I swear I'm jumping off the Zakeem bridge if we take this guy. Jesus. So um, that's that's where Patriots fans are right now in terms of the uh, You got to protect drafting. Mac Jones, give him more time to throw so he can throw a pick. Oh, he's going to have a lot of time to figure out how to throw a football when he's on the first bus to fucking <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know where else he's going, but it won't be New England. Um, in terms of additions to the league, I don't necessarily have one either. Because as fun as it would be in a, in a scenario to be like promotion relegation in the NHL, the infrastructure is not really there. Yeah. Right. 
Like the, you're not it, the HL's a feeder league. They're already on NHL teams, most of them. Like it, it doesn't right. make sense. I mean, in fairness, like that does work in, in football, where a lot of second tier teams have loaned out players from the big clubs that they're trying to develop those guys that they don't have space for them. So it could still work in that way. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about completely overhauling the system. So I I gotta be honest, I, I don't have a good answer in regards to what to add or what to take away from Team the Team building, NHL. I think, is the best part of the NHL and how it's set up. Yeah. Like, it really is. Like, trading free agency, like, you know, rookie deals and the draft, even the lottery. Like, it, it's – all and the, the hard cap, it's great. I I think it's fantastic. It, it's it, – that's at least one thing that's been done positively – in the NHL to make it a pretty competitive league. And as much as they want to say, like, you know, we don't want people intentionally tanking. You got to be bad sometimes to get good. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck me. The Leafs were shit for so long. They Mm -hmm. had to be. That's how you build a team. The Lightning were shit for a long time. Colorado was shit. Like, this is just the cycle. And I don't, this this is a weird thing that Gary Bettman's taken the stance against, like, tanking it's like it's gonna thing happen is even if people don't try it happens exactly like if you let teams actually tank odds are they're going to build themselves out of it yeah but if you have a lottery system and a team continually loses said lottery and loses out on that franchise level pick you end up in a situation where they can just perpetually be caught in that rebuilding situation and then sometimes they dig themselves out of it and like i think of a team like columbus who have what one playoff series win in their franchise's history and more often than not have been a lottery team here's the thing about columbus they tried to not tank. They got line A. They signed Goudreau. Mm-hmm. Like they, they did what the NHL wanted, and they're going to be fucking punished for it. And they're yeah. being punished for it. Fifth bottom from the league right now. Bottom five is Columbus, Ottawa, Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose. So San Jose and Chicago actively tanking, right? Actively. Anaheim, yeah. Ottawa, Columbus we... thought could be better. We had no choice, though. Chicago fucking tried to. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. They sold off young talent, too. There is a chance that neither the Sharks or Hawks will have the number one overall pick this year. And to me, that's just kind of, yeah, right? Fairly like the idea. <laughs> the idea that, like, Minnesota... If they stay where they are at 500, um, right now they are eighth from the bottom in the league on points percentage. The idea that they can jump, right? Based off of the rule changes, they yeah, they can still jump from eight, right? Or is it five spots? I forget. I but can't remember. Case in point, a team outside the top five being able to move up. There was the rule change, though, and that, you know, I, I don't quite remember what those are right now, I'll be honest. But in in that regard, right, even if you're talking about how it's just changed. Think about how many teams have been shafted by being consistently at the bottom. The Arizona Coyotes have never had the number one overall pick. 
Neither of the sharks. And the sharks were pretty bad in the 90s when they first got involved. Mm-hmm. Think about the years of the Detroit Red Wings and the Vancouver Canucks not getting number one overall picks and having to try to make things happen through other avenues. And, you know, for the Canucks, it's worked out well. They're fourth in the league right now in points percentage. You know, Detroit, they're going to be in the playoff mix. We'll see if they make it. But it took them a while to even be in this conversation. And honestly, no one thought the Canucks were even going to be as good as they are this year. So I don't know if that's an acceptable answer in terms of the the lottery, but I really wouldn't mind seeing that system taken away. I am very intrigued to know... Um, what other suggestions people can come up with in terms I am of too. in terms of options? Stumped. The only if one that you... would make sense that I think would trigger a lot of people is just fucking doing away with the draft lottery. Hmm. It feels like there's some big aspect to this that we're not thinking of. That's my problem. It feels yeah. like there's a, a big aspect or an obvious aspect to this that we're missing, and I don't know what that is. So let us know. I'm intrigued. So with that, Let's move on to our big topic. The reason as to why we are recording the show on a Monday as opposed to our typical Thursday as of late, at least through the busy holiday season. We'll see what happens moving forward. Endurance M, your alleged favorite team, has done a thing. They did it. They did the thing. They gave him the money. A lot of money. Like fifty percent of the cap to like four fucking dudes. Man. The Toronto Maple Leafs today announced that they have re-signed one William Squilliam Nylander, who was on the final year of his deal at a very nice six point nine million dollars. They have re-signed him to a Steve Dangle called it the Brad Tree Living Special. A player in his mid to late 20s signing until his mid to late 30s. As it is an eight-year contract with a full no-movement clause at $11.5 million per with a, a very nice $69 million worth of signing bonuses in that time, by the way. Because that's an advantage that Toronto has, of course which is why, thank God, there's a salary cap or else the Toronto Maple Leafs would dominate the league. Sorry, Leafs fans, but they got the money to throw around, clearly. Um, yeah, William Nylander is a Toronto Maple Leaf until age 36. And speaking specifically about Nylander, before we talk about other aspects of the team, other players, their contracts... Nylander jumping from essentially $7 million to 11 and a half. When there were a lot of Leafs fans saying, oh God, even 9 million is a lot. Is indicative of two things. One, the Leafs probably waiting too long to sign this contract. And two, William Nylander stepping up into the role that they were hoping he would be as a former eighth overall pick back in 2014. He's been a monster this season and he's always been good. Um, Yeah, I think, but this season he's just racking up the numbers to prove it. How long was that point streak? Cause he might even still be on it. Probably not, but like he had a, just such a long point streak going. It was getting absurd. And that's 
what they need. Like, that's what the team needs. They need a consistent point production guy because Matthews seems to score goals in bunches a lot. Yeah. Marner seems to just forget how to play hockey at times, which is unfortunate because he can, he can be a dominant two-way player when he's at his best. Um, and Nylander has just always been there. He's honestly a lot of the times been the guy that everyone calls out, which is, in my opinion, stupid. Um, mm. But now he's... He's he won't be a I don't yeah. Fuck me. Like it's a lot of money, man. And mm-hmm. I think this contract I'd have no issue with this contract if they if the the bullet was bitten and they moved Marner before his no move kicked in. Sorry, but he was the guy in my opinion to kind of trade, which a lot of people I'll probably catch some flack for that, but if you if you're gonna trade someone and, and try to fill out your 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 roster with a lot more talent, he's the guy. Just because of the inconsistencies I talked about. Yeah, he was a Selkie finalist last year, but like, he, he, I don't know. It's just something he, he starts off the season and he won't shoot. And then he'll have, he'll get, get going and then he'll have moments where he'll just be making stupid passes all over the ice. And then he'll forget how to defend. And then he'll remember again. He's, I don't know. He's just too inconsistent for my taste to be one of those top line guys. While Matthews scores more in bunches, he's not an inconsistent player. He's always trying to take over the game in some way. Hmm. You know, the past few seasons has really been like the William Nylander breakout party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had been a guy who had hit 60 points a couple of times in the past. Then 21, 22, 80 points in 81 games. He couldn't extend him at that point, right? A year out. So then, you know, last year, 87 points in 82 games. If they negotiated this offseason, his extension before the season starts, does that cost him $11.5 million? No. I don't think so. Maybe 10, but not 11 and a half. And some people might say, but that one and a half, is that really worth worrying about? Yes. Look at Ryan Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) Probably took the point, but I had to get that out. (laughs) (laughs) William Nylander this season, 37 games played 54 points. He is on a career high pace of 119 points. No shit, he earned that money. And yeah, he was going to get paid one way or another, whether by the Leafs or in free agency. It's just surprising to me that they waited. I mean, you know, the narrative could have always changed 87 points last year. Say on this season, he was on like 21 points in 37 games. And all of a sudden, it's oh my God, the sky is falling. But you probably knew if you were Brad Tree Living that. William Nylander was staying because a big part of the reason as to why Kyle Dubas was let go was the thought of getting rid of one of the core four. (laughs) That was at least a factor. And that brings us to the rest of the team. We're starting next season. The core four will be paid as such. Austin Matthews will have four years left on his new extension at 13.25 
million dollars per season. Again, right now, he is getting paid 11.64. So Matthews is getting a raise heading into this next season. You'll have Nylander going from $6.9 million to 11.5. You have John Tavares in the final year of his deal making $11 million. And Mitch Marner the final year of his deal at $10.9 million. That is $46.65 million against the cap with a projected allotment of 53% based off of what the cap is currently and how much it might go up, whatever. Four players, 50% of your cap. With a team that is already struggling in terms of depth, in terms of money handed out to John Klingberg, even though he's currently injured, David Kampf making 2.4, Ryan Reeves making the 1.3 or whatever it is that he's making. And at the end of this year, sure, Bertuzzi, Domi, TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, those contracts are up. But then you're right back in that situation of needing people to take sweetheart deals to try and chase a cup, essentially. And so far, that has resulted in one playoff series win. And that has been a strategy now for a couple years, at least in terms of, again, Matthews, Tavares making $11 million each. I don't know how much optimism I could have as a Leafs fan. I think I'd be very conflicted as most appear to be because you are happy that you're keeping a player the caliber of William Nylander. But look at what the narratives for the Leafs have been this season over who's on defense and actively playing. Who the hell's in goal? Which, by the way, shout out to one of the NHL's three stars of the week, Martin Jones. Sin, any guess of what Martin Jones' numbers look like so far this year as a Leaf? Oh, they're going to be pretty good. He's got, how many games has he played? 11. What the fuck? When did he play? 11? Yeah, he's played 11 games. Jesus. Um, 11 games. I'm going to put him at a 9-17 in those 11 games. 9-2-4. With a 7-3 and three record. Mm-hmm. A 2.08 goals against average and a 932 save percentage. Fuck. For 33 year old Martin Jones. Hey, man, he, he, he's always had this capability. He's always had the capability. He's not always brought it, but I, I've fucking seen it. That's why I got the extension in San Jose. We didn't just pay his ass for no reason. Like mm-hmm. he was, he was good those first few years and a monster in the playoffs. Like for the most part, he got us. He fucking dragged us to Game Six against Pittsburgh. It just makes me wonder how the Leafs are going to be able to pull this off, especially too in goaltending. They can't afford to spend that much money. I hope Martin Jones keeps it up so he actually earns another good contract, and the Leafs can't keep him. That's likely to happen. I mean, he's making eight seventy five right now. If he keeps up this level of play, he's going to make over a million bucks next year. And did the Leafs keep him? Probably over two. 
You know, it's like next year, there's a very realistic shot that the Leafs will try to roll with Joseph Wall. He'll be. will be on the last year of his deal at 766000 Mm-hmm. And then maybe Dennis Hildeby, if he proves he can be a decent backup. And that's the point. Like, they're going to have to play this like NHL franchise mode, where you don't spend heavy money on a goalie. And that's not because in real life, high-rated goalies play like shit all the time, EA. Uh, <laughs> it's because they're simply not going to be able to afford that high-level goaltender. Mm-hmm. So you are going to need to rely on those Aiden Hill-esque performances to get it done. But the problem is those Aiden Hill-esque performances are the exception, not the rule in terms of what teams look like when they win a Stanley Cup. Yep. And then the depth surrounding them is going to have to be weaker. I mean, in a lot of ways, you brought up my next point. They're essentially playing franchise mode, you know, and they they're not doing the 15 percent trick. Um, (laughs) It's you get to that point where like your core is like paid for whatever. And at that, you're just stacking your team with all the assets that you're able to get of like all these entry level guys coming through and filtering out and, and things like that. Like. That's what they have to do right now, and. They're, and they're not going to have that many good entry level guys left. Like they've they've gotten fucking lucky when you think about Nyes and when you think about Bunting. Even they've gotten pretty lucky so far with some of those later round type guys. And then even you think about Benoit, second round pick, I believe. Um, Benoit came over from. Uh... The True. I, I, yeah, I know he was there, but like, I'm what my my point is. Undrafted? It's like he actually. What? Yeah, I'm Fuck. surprised. Who, by who that am I difference. thinking of? That's a second round pick. I think it's Nice. I'm 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 probably Nice. No, what? Because he Matthew was Nice was a second round pick. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of then. Okay, okay, I was getting a little bit confused, but yeah, again, you get a great fucking player like Nice who looks like he has top six potential, true top six mm. in the second round, and he's on a steal of a deal. You were able to use bunting for a while until he classed out of the money that he was making. Like it's worked, but it hasn't like it's kept them in the hunt and all these things. They've been able to use guys like this. Robertson's now another one who's going to should provide from good depth scoring. But you keep, you know, getting to these points where you're going to be a playoff team. Maybe you don't always have your first, though. They did a good job of keeping their first. Even at times people thought they shouldn't. Eventually, you're going to run out of all of the entry level guys that you can chuck in there. Mm. I mean, they're pretty close to that now. And it just makes me wonder, like, okay, what is this season at this point? Like, do they have enough to go on a run this year? And if they don't, it feels like they're going to have even less next year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, okay, you can rely on John Tavares taking a multi-million dollar pay cut, you would expect. I mean, he has 34 points in 37 games this year. John Tavares has been good. He hasn't been $11 million good, I would say. Um, but say he takes a pay cut down to seven or eight, God, even less would be amazing for them if he stays. You presume he would, but you never know for sure. Marner's deal will be up as well, though. So you know he'll be wanting to get towards the $12, $13 million amount if Nylander's making 11 and a half. And Marner at that point 
will be a UFA, if I'm not mistaken. He will indeed. <laughs> they walked both Matthews and Marner into UFA with their contracts. Yeah. I just, I, I think <laughs> the problem is for Leafs fans, it never ends. It just never ends. It always, you just keep like kicking the can, the the can of anxiety. We have an episode title. You keep kicking the can of anxiety down the road, but it never apps, you know, it never absolutely stops essentially, right? Like with the Tampa Bay Lightning, they were able to lock in their core and you knew, okay, we are going to lose certain people, but it's not going to be anybody that is so brutally detrimental. You know, when they were winning the back-to-back cups and Christ almost won three in a row. You know, now they're at the point where they had to start paying people and all of a sudden, hey, they're looking a little bit shaky. But at the end of the day, they knew that they had Kucherov, they had Point, they had Stamkos, they had Hedman, they had Vasilevsky. All on pretty damn sweetheart deals, none of which, by the way, make double digits even currently. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, we're going to lose certain pieces. You know, we're eventually going to lose, say, what's his name to to Calgary. We're going to lose Blake Coleman. But we're still good, you know. Whereas the Leafs, it's like, okay, who are we going to lose? Shit, we got to lose Zach Hyman. And that's been a huge problem for them. He has been incredible in Edmonton next to Connor McDavid, 40 points in 35 games. Okay, we got to lose Michael Bunting. Yeah, that one doesn't hurt as much. 26 points in 39 games. That's because he was essentially trying to be the Hyman replacement and he wasn't as good. And this is the cycle. You lose the Hyman, you insert the bunting. Next man up. Look at Endo's face. (laughs) Oh, goodness. But yeah, I am. uh, I'm in agreement, basically, right? Like you continually degrade in terms of those skill positions, those secondary positions until what's left. And for the Leafs, it feels like they've gone on a speed run of that degradation process without any of the success. Mm -hmm. And the big question is, yeah, have they been spread too thin already? You know, you look at that lineup right now and it's like, okay, Tyler Bertuzzi, 18 points in 37 games. It's not too bad, I guess. Make him $5.5 million? Bad. Fucking horrific. No, that's a 41-point pace. No, he's basically at 0.5 point per game, so. Yeah. You know, and then you have other people filling in the lineup. Pontus Holmberg, two points in 11 games. Bobby McMahon, four and 16. David Camp and Noah Gregor, both on seven points, have played almost half the season. It does come down to that question of like, okay, is the is the depth spread too thin? And the problem is, even if they're healthy, how much is Ryan Reeves adding to that team if he's healthy? John Klingberg, I mean, we don't even know what a healthy John Klingberg looks like at this point because, you know, dealing with such a major hip injury. I just wonder, yeah, if they've been spread a bit too thin. Endo, 
do you care at all at this point? Is it just a situation where it's like, win a cup or leave me the hell alone? How do you feel as a as a Leafs fan? Trying to, uh, while you guys are going off on the, on the tangents and everything, I was just thinking the entire time, and I'm like, he got paid. He got paid a lot of money. I don't think the concept of the quote-unquote core four is a stupid marketing gimmick and it's been sold to leafs nation and half the fucking nhl and sure they're great players but they don't play well as a unit you know some nights some players taking nights off some players show up some players don't have the same heart the same bite every night you know they got paid and everything william nylander getting 11.5 Congrats to the guy. Like he definitely earned it, but will he play to his value? I don't think so. Here's the Do I think he's a consistent I, player? Yes. Do I think he deserves more ice time? Probably. And that's where getting rid of someone a part of that quote unquote core four might actually be a benefit. Because if you have too many star players and too many players with a certain caliber on one team, they're not gonna mesh well. Like you see in the NBA, you can build super teams and then they, they do well. And some super teams don't really necessarily make a championship team. They just have star players that don't really go anywhere. I think that's been the Toronto Maple Leafs for the past couple of seasons. They have star players who play as individuals, whereas they should be playing as teammates. I mean, you could say the same thing because, you know, Neil, no, not Neil uh, Mitch Marner has like the most assists in like whatever like period point of like 400 games play or whatever the fuck it is. He's like a franchise leader at this point, considering like the, the ratio of games he's played and the amount of points he has, the amount of assists that he has. Like he, what he said, like a franchise record for fastest, to like what five was it? 500 or 400 assists. Can't remember which one it is. Yeah. To build off of Endo's point while he looks that up. Um, I I have to agree. A lot of the times they they seemingly play as individuals, and other times they seem way too comfortable. Um, like they seem way too comfortable for a team who only got out of the first round once and then got demolished by an eight seed. I think they're all very very comfortable, especially the core four. They're known like I'm not going anywhere, and that's why I that was the the biggest reason I was pissed that they let go of Dubas because he was going to change the Shanna plan. And the fucking the suits were like, hell no, you're not. We pay, we sign your paychecks. We sign all, you know, and they got rid of him. But honestly, that would have, that would have probably been the mentality shift that they needed. No one's fucking safe. Yep. And that should be what the GM says. Like, hey, I like you. You're a great player. Someone offers me five first rounders for you. I'm fucking taking it. Like, you know, or something of that nature. No one, I mean, you can have an untouchable, I think. But when you basically have four, they're just like, yeah, we're the, you know, we're the three, we're the whatever. There's, you know, we're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and and also Riley. Um, I, I think they're, they're all yeah. way too comfortable. I really do. Like you can have a marketing gimmick core four. these I are the guys, but you have to be willing to like, if it ain't working, you can't just ch- move in the other pieces. 
it seems like that that they're really willing like all, right, all these other pieces can be moved out these four stay you know trying to coach okay mm, all right well like, i kind of like the management likes this coach whoever does get rid of the gm now because he's suggesting to this huge huge change and i don't know that that's that's my biggest thing is that they all seem way too comfortable and they they seem to know that they're untouchable and yeah uh, another thing too there it's just like you said uncomfortable they're, they're comfortable i like how you said morgan riley who apparently isn't a part of the core four yet he signed the most team-friendly deal out of the entire roster mm. save for nazim Kadri when he was a part of the leaves He's it's hilarious the, uh, how it's kind of like, like you know, e- even in the core four, defense is an afterthought. Even mm-hmm. in the core four, get rid of someone from that core. Bring bring Morgan Riley back in the fray. I guarantee you, if John Tavares didn't sign with Toronto, Morgan Riley would be the captain of the team, and he'd be the marketing part of the core four or whatever the fuck they want to call it here in Toronto. Well, actually, it was going to be Austin Matthews before he took his butt out and mooned that cop, <laughs> if you recall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I think that the, the thing that we've stumbled upon here is that they need to stop treating Morgan Riley like Alan. You know, he's not Ken, but he's he's more than just Alan. You got to treat him with a little bit more respect. But the problem is the media's mind is so small. That they can't move past the fact that core and four rhyme. Yes. So we need to find a word that rhymes with five or come up with something like the fabulous five to include Morgan Riley. That's just the way, you know, the foundational five. Why not? There's got to be a way to get this to work, to give Alan, I mean, Morgan Riley, uh, his proper respect here. Yeah, the bridge truck and the underpaid employee. The Brinks truck and the go get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Brinks truck being the four, and Morgan Riley's just out in the cold. Bridge truck Thanks. and the scapegoat, and the scapegoat changes every game. Every game, yeah, every minute. Oh yeah, <laughs> judging by Twitter. So overall, I think we're all in a pretty similar spot on this, where it's just like, it's just the Leafs being the Leafs, and we'll see if it works. I mean, it could, and if they win, it just, who gives a shit at that point? It's like every other cup winner. If you win, who gives a damn of, could you have won? I mean, granted, again, the the Leafs headlines will be, here's how they could have won it sooner. Here's why they won't win it next year. But at the end of the day, they would have won. But... You know, it's just funny how they're like the only team where keeping someone like William Nylander is viewed as not a universal positive because it can't be. No, it's because they've, like you said, spread themselves too thin. And I'm sorry if you're paying that much to forward these star fucking players, all of them in double digits now. I mean, it's not kicking in, but like you're ninth in the league. Mm. You should be top fucking five. Oh, but we've had injuries in the goaltending question. It's your own fault. It's yeah. because of that, <laughs> that you don't have enough depth. It's true. I will we'll say. Move on. Man, we're not, hold we on. One, one the final thing. thought, Endo. You get it. 
I will say that this move would have been okay, perfectly fine if you didn't bring in players who are now almost all of them on LTIR or have been injured and have been cap like cap liabilities in a sense. Hmm. If you didn't bring in Klingberg, this would have been fine. You would have had more money. You could have probably offered some defensive offensive players so that way you wouldn't have to go and grab like a second line AHL player and have him play on the fourth line and trying to just squeeze through so you have enough people to basically be on a lineup every night. If you didn't do any of those moves, if it was Klingberg, Reeves, anything, I think the only move that's worked out so far is Simon Benoit. And that's because everyone's bought it on him being kind of like the guy everyone loves. Because every year with the every year with every team, there's the one guy where it's like, we love him. He doesn't do shit for us offensively, but he will hit everybody and beat people up. He's basically this year's Luke Shen on like league minimum. Hey, mm. remember when they didn't get Luke Shen back? <sighs> I mean, in fairness, based off of how much money he got in Nashville, it was probably a good thing they let Luke Shen go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, Maybe, but still, man. Like you play one year in Toronto, you make you you do good. You go somewhere else, you get paid. Justin Hall. It would have been better for them to spend the two seven five on Luke Shen than the four five on Klingberg. Yes, though. yes. I'm yeah. sorry. You, you they would have still had more money to spend. Yeah, that leave team looked fucking great when Luke Shen was back on the team. I will say that 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 team had grit. That team actually wanted to be out there. Other players were buying into the physicality. I mean, they are now. But, you know, again, you would probably still have Luke Shen in your lineup and not sitting out with a hip injury. Klingberg, it's unfortunate. You know, he never probably healed. And I guess he got the bag. But, like, yeah. He's an offensive defenseman. I, they yeah. didn't need that. I, I I still will, ne- will never forgive for leaving for that signing because it, it made no fucking sense at the time. It still Tr- makes no fucking sense. As Endo has said so many times, for living in the moment. With that, I feel like we could just continue to pile on the Leafs for a while because, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Fuck. We kind of ruined the whole big news of Nylander signing with some, you know, with some what has to be talked about is what comes next, but you know, dirty laundry. That's that's the point though. That's the story. (laughs) It has to be. It's just how it is. But you have, you have that sect of Leafs fans who you can never, ever criticize the blue and white. It's true. We will move on to another viewer question here that I found to be pretty interesting. Comes from unscrupy newpers question for the podcast. Now we had, talked about on the last show the importance of the Olympics as opposed to like some in-season international tournament like Gary Bettman said at the Winter Classic they were working on. So Scroopy asked this. What if that best-on-best international tournament was three-on-three? Who would you like to see representing the following country? He names a few. Each team gets two forwards, a defenseman, and a goaltender as their top line. So I wanted to go through this really quickly. Maybe not every nation, but I do find it interesting. Let me know if you disagree or if someone else comes to mind for who you would play. And talking about Canada, I feel like the top two forwards would have to be Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. Who the hell could compete with that? 
You know, you could throw out like a Crosby if you wanted. Bedard. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean Hawks fans. Nope, Connor Bedard right now. Put him out there. Do it. But I feel like it would He's have to be child. those two. Yes. Defensively. That's a tough one. Kale McCarr. He's Canadian? Yeah. Yeah, he's Canadian. Hmm. Why did I think he was American? He was a part of the huh. uh, 2018 World Junior Team. Ah. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. We still don't know didn't who did, do but don't worry. They're, they've almost come to a conclusion, they said a year almost. ago. Almost. Almost. One of them's fled the country, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I mean, that's filthy for three-on-three. Uh, right. McDavid, McDavid, McKinnon, and McCarr, yeah. It has to be that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, I was sliding the Crosby way initially, but I don't like think McKinnon, you're wrong with Crosby either. But McKinnon is, he's like, he he has a lot of Crosby tendencies, mm. and he's just <laughs> so fucking dialed in all the time. He's one of the most intense players on the planet, and I love that. God. Did you see when he reverse hit the rookie? And he like looked him dead in his face and hit like a basically perk angle fucking yeah in his face. Yeah, he's gonna, it was so <laughs> they're gonna have good. to eat more chickpea if you want to compete with me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the hell he eats, uh, just pasta, raw pasta for goaltenders. No water, just pasta and water. That's Canada goaltender, hmm. Like chips. Oh, they don't. They don't have that many options. good goaltenders. Just saying. Mark Andre Fleury. Hart. <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury, who made a crazy fucking save the other night, by the way. Jesus Christ. Arguably the best goaltender in the league this season, Cam Talbot. Martin Jones. <laughs> if you need someone to swing a stick at someone's head, Jordan Bennington. God, get him away from Team Canada. It's got to be Mark Andre Fleury. Tristan Jari, Carter Hart. Hurrah. It's got to be Mark Andre Fleury because. He's he's an acrobatic goaltender already. Um, he's a, I, I think it has to be him, and he'll keep thing. He'll he'll be the counterbalance to Nathan McKinnon in the locker room. He'll keep things light, and he's a great personality. And it's got to be Mark Andre Fleury. It's a fair way to look at it. Endo, any disagreement, or shall we move on to the United no. States? No, go to the America. All right, for the U.S. In terms of forwards, again, for three-on-three, I mean, obviously you have Patrick Kane leading the way for U.S. scorers, still as an active player. He's been very good to Detroit. Joe Pavelski, Johnny Gaudreau, JT Miller, someone who I think has to be on the list, Austin Matthews. Yeah. Three-on-three, though. (laughs) <laughs> noted Just, all-star nick felino not nick felino excuse me but <laughs> i saw someone on twitter just be like, how did nick felino make the all-star game and it's like it wasn't him it was boone jenner and he's like what's the fucking difference <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant we'll talk about the all-star game again in a little bit too um there's a lot of options here dylan larkin yeah. kyle connor Alex Dabrinkit, Clayton Keller, like the U.S. for me is just a just send Larkin and Dabrinkit, dude. (laughs) Just as a duo, fuck. Even they're great. They've slowed down a bit, but I mean, if you're going realistically, the best of the best, it's got to be Matthews and Kane. 
Potentially. I didn't even mention uh, like, uh, Jason Robertson or Jack Hughes. Fuck Hughes. You know what? Because Austin Matthews is so shit. Just, <laughs> just sit in on three on three. Sorry. Whew. That's, I don't I don't have an answer to this one because so I think tough. there's way too many options and potential combinations, but I am intrigued to know. Yeah, it's not as cut and dry as Canada, obviously, but... No. Fuck um, It's a tough one. We'll move on to defense here because, again, I think there's so many different combinations that would work for that, and I'm intrigued to know, again, what people would think. Defense got to be Quinn. Yeah, 100%. It's gotta, I mean, for defense, the only other person I'd say in the Quinn Hughes category is Adam Fox. Um, which we know Sin wouldn't take him. So it's between you one take of those less two. guys off the ice, create more space. That guy's going to be a fucking, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it Quinn for three on three. It's Quinn. It's like, Quinn sorry. Yeah. I don't care. Rangers fans. You can hate on me all you want. I'll hate on Adam Fox continually. It's Quinn for three on three. Yeah. I love uh, like Charlie McAvoy too, but it's, it's Quinn. Hughes. In that case, fuck it. Send Quinn, Austin and Jack. Fuck Kane. Just send the Hughes brother. <laughs> yeah, just have Quinn play forward, put Luke on D and send J- and Jack in the middle. Beautiful. There you yeah. go. Um for goalies, it's actually a little bit easier because right now there are only 19 goalies that have played an NHL game that are considered active uh for the US. Jonathan Quick, who has been awesome for the Rangers, I think yeah. is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Connor Hellbuck, um, right there, flat out. I was going to say, like, you have, like, John Gibson, Ottinger, Swayman, DeSmith, guys like that. It comes down to one of two guys, Connor Hellebuck or Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Pick your poison either. I mean, not even pick your poison. I mean, pick your fighter either way, and they're going to do a hell of a job for you, essentially. Yeah. So If you're trying to get as much NHL representation as possible, you'd send Hellesuck just because Quinn's going to be the guy. But yeah. I don't know if that matters too much. But, yeah, straight up, like, yeah. I'd, I'd say I'd say hella suck. Sorry, I, I'm addicted. <laughs> it's, it's so normal for me to say that. <laughs> Ugh, shout out to my Be a Pro series when I was on Winnipeg. There you go. We'll move on to Russia, which for the forwards, it's it's interesting because it's obviously now. in the past Kucherov. it's like, do you go with Ovi? But now, I think, nope. that, I mean, Malkin's still in that conversation too. But I think the key guys that you're looking at are Kucherov, Panarin, and Kaprizov. Yeah, who's taking faceoffs? <laughs> that's, that's the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, because then there's uh, guys like Tarasenko, Kuznetsov. I love Pavel Bushnevich, but three on three, I don't know if I'm. How nah, is it I, I'm I probably overthinking it, thinking someone has to be G'd up on faceoffs too, but like. Mm. I'm always thinking, okay, who's the center he's going to go? There's not a lot of fucking Russian centers. Oh. Like, Malkin yeah. is is the guy, and it's, he's not amazing on the draws. He's deep. He's, I don't know. Let me look at his percentage. <laughs> uh, no, better yet, I'll tell you what his face-off rating is for me in NHL. It's 75 in, the in in like, baseline, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's got, like, an 81 face-off for me, so he's all right. He's, he's, he's always he's a lot sub 50%. Actually, right now he's 50.9. He's over 50% for just the second time in his career. So fair that he's at a 75 rating, honestly. There you go. Um, again, a lot of possibilities, I think, offensively. 
Kucherov and Panarin probably win for most people. Probably. Defensively. Woof. Here are some of the names in the conversation. Dmitry Orlov. Mikhail Sergachev. Provorov. Kulikov. Nikita Zadorov. Nikita Zaitsev. Gavrikov. Zub. Romanov. Labushkin. And then... It's Sergachev, probably. Well, here's my choice. 39 career games played for the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, overall in 2022, Pavel Minchikov. I think I'd take him already. That's pretty good. Well, you know what? I wouldn't think of that. He definitely has probably more up- offensive upside than Sergachev. But three on three, there's so much space. I mean, you know, all those NHLers can do skill moves. They just, a lot of them don't because of the role. Right. In all honesty, I mean, yeah, it probably is Sergachev in a lot of ways, but I just love Pavel Michikov. I'm, I'm standing him mm-hmm. very early on. I, and I guess you can't send Sergachev as well because you're also going to send Vasilevsky. Well, yeah, right? In terms of goalies, I mean... You have you have a choice. It's not Bobrovsky. It's probably not Varlamov. Is it Andre Vasilevsky anymore? Because for me, while there are some other names in the conversation, it comes down to Vasi, Shesterkin, or my choice, Ilya Sorokin. That's a good choice. He's also plays in front of the Islanders. Or yeah, behind he's the used Islanders. Yeah. No, I I'd have to go with Sorokin. I'm going Let's move over. Um, how many more did we have here? Did he say he did say Czechia, Sweden next, baby? Sweden, Finland, at least. Uh, we're I was not going to do those two for last. <laughs> okay. Because uh, Germany, Slovakia. for example, Who's even I only know like one Slovakian player. I was going to say here's the problem. Um, so for Germany, you're looking at no doubt Drysaitel, Stutzel, and Moritz Sider. That's it. Yeah. Who's the goal? Do we even have a German goaltender in the NHL? You got one, and he's not very good. Philip Grubauer. <laughs> well, I guess he's got, well. He doesn't have to go. They can be someone who's <laughs> bring back Thomas Grice and his totally not SS. Oh my mask. god! Oh yeah. I mean, no, no. God damn it! You said mask, and I typed in German helmets, so a bunch of Nazi helmets <laughs> popped up. Look <laughs> up German goalies, and you said mask, and I. No, I don't want soccer. No one cares about soccer. Shots fired. (laughs) Um, For the record, too, with Slovakia, they currently do not have a goalie in the NHL. Um, Your forwards, Tatar, Ruzicka, Slavkovsky, defense, Chernak, Fehervari, and again, they don't have a goalie. Simon Nemec, I mean, Nemec, it's just... There's not much there. So we're down to the chest. Bro, it has to be Grubauer for Germany. There's like no one else fucking good unless you bring Ole the goalie out of retirement. <laughs> right. Yeah. Limited options. Um, so uh, check. Check. Yeah. For the forwards. Let's be honest. David Pasternak and Tomas Hurdle. Mm, yeah. Future, dude, the future Bruins top line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better be willing to pay a hell of a lot, son. Oh. oh God! There, there are some other decent names for the forwards: Palat, Zaka, Natchez, Verana. But yeah, no, no doubt, like those two are a clear yeah. cut above for the forwards. Defensively, four options: uh, David Yerachek for the Blue Jackets, Jan Ruda, Radko Gudis, and <laughs> hands down the choice: 
Philip Ronick on Vancouver, who has been insane this year. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm going with Gudis. <laughs> Fair? No, no, no. Yeah, it it, it has to be Hironic, yeah. Hironic, um, Hironic. For goalies, pick your poison. Peter Morazic. Oh. Dave Riddick. Ah. Oh. Vitek Vanacek. Carl Vamelka. Dan Vladar. Yuri you're, Patera. You're missing someone so important. Or is it Luka Stostal? Okay, I thought you were fucking missing him. It's obviously Dostal. <laughs> it might have to be. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, Marazic, who has half-decent numbers for Chicago. Vamelka is kind of okay for the guy. I mean, you might as well go with Dostal and just see what the hell he can do, right? I, I would go with Dostal because, you know, if you're market, I think you always got to have some way of marketing the younger talent. And Hurdle's not that young anymore. Pasta's not that young. You're going to get them because they're the best, and that's what you have. But you also need to have that, like, one young, young dude. Who the hell was the defenseman again? Um, on defense for them? Yeah, yeah, for Chechia. Um, Gudis or uh, Philip Hronik. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Hronik. And again, he's not that young anymore. I think you got to go with Dostal because he's like the... Yeah, he's good. I think he's solid. And the Ducks are a shit team, so his numbers aren't going to be as good. Um, you got to go with him over Mrazek, I feel like. For the Swedes. Schweds. The Schweds. For the forwards, Mika Zibanejad, Philip Forsberg, William Nylander, Elias Pedersen, Jesper Bratt, Adrian Kempe. You know, all in that conversation, among others, I would say. Pedersen, Nylander up front. Yep. And put a fucking period afterwards. No one else goes. I don't. Zibanejad's great, but it's Pedersen, Nylander up front. Has to be. I agree. You guys aren't wrong. You guys have been good pick so far. I got nothing. Defensively, Carlson. you got some options here nope. on defense. Carlson. I'll say that. Nope, Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody top Eric Carlson? You have Hedman, Ekman Larson, Klingberg, Ekholm, Hampus Lindholm, Rasmus Dahlin, Jonas Brodin. Oh, yeah. It's Dahlin or Carlson. And it yeah, depends on it's... how much emphasis you put on defense (laughs) um Pedersen's good at defense (laughs) fucking send Carlson (laughs) um that is tough yeah Nylander Pedersen Carlson though honestly Carlson would probably be like yeah you can go Nolene I've done stuff like this he's like I'm preparing for the playoffs he'll probably he'll probably do an Ovi and be like nah I'm good (laughs) goaltenders there are two Jacob Markstrom or Linus Allmark uh Linus clearly oh you know, Markstrom's had a pretty good season but he's not Calgary, Linus Allmark but you might call me biased if you want Linus Allmark I mean, I'm more biased than you are for Allmark I feel like <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and last but not least the greatest of them all Finland for the forwards Barkov Rontanen, Aho. I feel like that's where you can stop the list, right? Like, Line A is probably not in that conversation right now compared mm. to those three. Oh, you know who you're sending at center, though? Mikhail Granlin, the legend. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> no, yeah, it is. Uh, it's Barkov and Rontanen, like a hundred percent. Yeah, right. Like, probably. I mean, Ah right. so good too, though. But Aho yeah, is I, really I, good. But if you want a centerman, it's gotta be it has to be Barkov, in my opinion. Defensively, no brainer. Mira Haskin. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't think there's anyone else, but it is Miro all the way who's better than Adam Fox. And better than Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> yes. Barely. <sighs> In goal. Juicy Saros. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, see. other considerations Ranta, Korpasalo, Huso, Kakinen, Lankinen, and Lukanen. Juicy Saros. It's, it's Saros, yeah. So with that, let us know if we got any wrong, and especially for the like Switzerland. God, that's just not enough. Um, let <laughs> I, us know, especially for like teams like the U.S., where there's a lot of options. Who you guys would go? With. What do you mean there's not enough? Is there not? You have Isn't them it? all on one team: Nico Heischer, <laughs> Timo Meyer, Akira Schmid. <laughs> just send the Devils. Uh, also, Roman Yossi. Jonas Siegenthaler. Oh, yeah. You know, fair. So what happened for me is that I was on quant hockey and they didn't show up under nationalities for Switzerland. Um, so that I, makes just, sense. I, I didn't bother with Switzerland. I'm so sorry. But yeah, no, that's actually a fair point. That Swiss team is actually going to be sneaky fucking good. Dude, oh, my God. So hold on. Hold on. Yeah, hold the phone. Nino Niederreiter, dude. Dennis Mulligan either. So for Even, forwards. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if if you look at Obviously, we're just naming the top three players, but they would probably be one of the more deeper teams. The forwards. You could go Niederreiter, Fiala, Meyer, or Heischer. That's not bad. No. Having to choose two out of those four. Defense would be Roman Yossi, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned. And then in goal, yeah, it'd be a curious. It's honestly, I don't think that's the worst team. No. I don't think so. so. I think the Slovaks were the worst. I'm trying to th- remember if there's any other team that we missed, but I don't think so because Norway only has Matt Zuccarello and uh, Emil Martinsen Lilleberg. Yeah, they're too busy playing with their oil money over there in Norway to play hockey. Yeah. Latvia could run Zemgis Gergensens and Theodors Blugersh, uh, Uvis Balinskish, and Elvis Merzlikens in goal. Go they, Latvia. Might, they might win a game. <laughs> they sure might. Let's just keep going. This is fun. Um, <laughs> what other countries can we do? Give me Kazakhstan. Den- give me Kazakhstan. Oh, um, hold on. Denmark, by the way, they don't have a defenseman, but you uh, could run Ehlers, Eller, and Bjorkstrand as the skaters with Freddie Anderson in goal. There you go. It's not too bad. That's a choice. Uh, Belarus doesn't have a goalie. Austria only has Marco Rossi. Endo said Kazakhstan. Uh, no active Kazakhstani yeah. players. But um, you would be looking at Nick Antropov and probably Nigel Dawes. <laughs> since yeah, he is technically now. by nationalization. Uh, love it. Yeah. God. That's um, I and wish if, if I had to win a... Nabokov will finally represent where he was born and play again. <laughs> I wish there was a way to run a three-on-three tournament in NHL. That'd be so much fun to put this into action and see what happens especially too because you can make up the number with having multiple different canada teams and u.s teams and just be like okay shit which one is the best one what is the best combination so that'd be pretty fun 
That would be a blast. It's going to be an incredible question. Thank you very much for that. Um, we do have a couple other things to talk about on the show really quickly. Um, one of our other big topics, of course, uh, we joked about it in the uh, episode title of the last show. The PWHL had another tremendous weekend um, capped off by the game between Montreal and Minnesota, the home of the Minnesota Wild, where the attendance record for a women's professional hockey game that was set in Ottawa a week ago has already been surpassed with an official attendance of 13,316, witnessing Minnesota becoming the first team in PWHL history to win on home ice, which is hilarious that it hadn't happened yet. Um, With hell of a name, Grace Zoomwinkle. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Securing the PWHL's first star of the week with four goals, including a hat trick against Montreal. The other goal came against Boston. Um, she had one hell of a week to say the least. Um, yeah, also had Alex Carpenter and Corinne Schrader, who, uh, second time that we've mentioned her, her on the podcast, um, as the other two stars of the week. So there's not too much else to add in terms of the PWHL right now, just aside from the fact that Jesus Christ, this league is so fun to watch. They have so much momentum going for them right now. The pessimistic side of me is like, God, don't fuck him, you know, don't fuck up in the future. Like, how are they going to handle um, maintaining that goodwill? Right. Like we talked about on the last show, the teams and the idea of did they go with generic branding so that they can sell the franchises next year and let owners put the spin on it. A similar conversation can be had about airing all their games on YouTube to show, hey, here's what the viability is. And then they go out and get bigger TV deals. And then all of a sudden you got to deal with fucking blackout restrictions and how difficult it is to follow the NHL. Is it going to get that way for the PWHL? And the answer is hopefully not. But for the moment, it is pretty much a factor of just trying to enjoy this league right now for what it is, because they are crushing it in terms of positive energy right now. PWHL. Yeah. Another PW. Hell yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> it's the hl <laughs> so many potential episode titles for this one huh tremendous but yeah shout out to uh shout out to minnesota who are 2-0 right now big part of that gray zoom winkle unfortunately there was supposed to be a game uh between ottawa and boston that was postponed due to weather but hey we'll get that back and uh yeah, i just awesome hope it has though. staying power that's all it is i just hope that yeah. you know the, the first the fuck week in, or two see if you like people it. I just hope attendance stays relatively high. It might drop off, but, you know, if it's consistent, it's good. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I was at my uh, in-laws on Friday, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, the PWHL is on YouTube, and I'm watching it. That easy. Like, there's almost no excuse to not check it out. Like, it is so accessible right now. Take advantage of it. Get on board, goddammit, because it is a league that is 100% worth uh, being on board for here in the early days, especially when it's so, so important. Yeah, get in early so you can be one of those people, hopefully years down the road. I mean, like, hell, I was watching the first games of this. Like, if this becomes a successful lead, like, we're we're at the bottom, man. Like, we're, we're, we're getting in at the bottom. And it's, it's, it could be fantastic. And I hope it is because, dude, they work so hard. They play, they're skilled as hell. They deserve it. So, like, you know, if you're about hockey, man, Support support these women, dude. I just love the sentence, support these women, dude. 
is tremendous, by the way. Support Whammon. No, so, Whammon. yeah, I mean, hell You're yeah, correct. dude. Um, in other news as well, um, it's a smaller topic for us because we admittedly, you know, for the most part, weren't able to follow too much of the tournament. Did watch the gold medal game, though, in which the United States of America suck it, Endo, you Canadian. Yeah. Um, Communist. <laughs> the U.S. <laughs> beat Sweden, uh, what was it, 6-2 in the gold medal game. Um, I loved the chippiness of it. I'll say that, especially at the end, all this talk about you're classless. No, you're classless. And no, you're all class. Like it made it made the internet a pretty fun place. Um, yeah. But yeah, shout out to the U.S. for winning this particular tournament. Um, again, it sucks for Sweden. You know, anytime you get a chance for someone to win on home ice, it's like hey, you kind of hope they pull it off, but. It was what it was uh, with the U.S. winning gold. You had silver for Sweden and your bronze medalist, Chechia, as uh, Norway were relegated, by the way. So tough break for Norway. But the World Juniors, it's always a good time. Even if, you know, when games start at 11 o'clock in the morning, it can be a little bit difficult to follow just a bit. But it's going to be back in Canada next year, apparently. uh, So it'll be easier to follow. So that's good. Good stuff. Our final topic, though, the kind of big topic to really sink our teeth into to end the show is kind of a couple of different aspects wrapped up into one. And it's, in general, physicality in hockey. I want to first mention, because we talked about, again, on that last show, one of our better shows. Go check it out if you haven't. We talked about how the NHL has a marketing crisis where they want to try to, you know, essentially have their cake and eat it, too. We want to tout the skill and the speed and the athleticism, but we're afraid to turn our back on the monkey brain. Ooh, big fights. There's a reason for that. Variety of reasons, really. And it was highlighted in the past couple of nights by a fight that took place in the AHL during the game between Belleville and Manitoba, where Boko Amama and Terrell Bauer uh, went to goddamn war. And this is a clip that went viral by my count yeah. right now of this video i'm seeing on twitter uh 37 million views holy shit and it's I haven't from seen it yet it's from uh, the video was taken from a tiktok account that at the time already had 300,000 likes this fight went viral and that is a huge part as to why the nhl is afraid to fully step away is because there aren't too many examples of skill that will result in a viral moment such as this, because whenever a crazy fight like this happens, you will always have comments of people like this who aren't hockey fans going like, Jesus Christ, huh? They let this happen. The top response on this Twitter post is more sports should allow fights. You have NFL players. I think it was, I think it was, I don't remember. I don't, in fairness, I don't know if it was actually Jabril Peppers of the Patriots. It might've been a troll account, but I did see an account being like, they should allow this in football. Just fucking let guys go at it and settle the bullshit. Um, you're always going to have these, these moments of, of fighting kind of going viral and people being like, Oh shit, they still, they haven't banned that yet. That's a good thing. That's a bad thing. It always leads to that conversation. 
And it was a hell of a fight, for the record. Again, Monkey Brain, absolutely loved that fight. It was great. Just seeing two guys go toe-to-toe like that, throwing punches. And honestly, it was a good technical fight. It wasn't just haymakers. It was a lot of body shots, like NHL 04. We need to play NHL 04, by the way, where you could throw body shots in fights, gentlemen. Very fun. (laughs) I have it downloaded and ready to go. Anytime you're ready. Anytime. And, of course, we had the 2K5 skills competition from All-Star Weekend. Coming up. We got good things whenever you guys are ready. And we'll get the fellas together. Um, But you have that example, right? Of, oh, here's this thing going viral. Around the same time, you have another crazy deal, which is the Connor Bedard hit by Brendan Smith that caused a lot of controversy. And, of course, the debate was dirty, not dirty. You had teammates of Bedard saying, I think it was dirty. But then you had the head coach uh, in Chicago, Luke Richardson, saying, quote, I don't think Smith stepped up on him. I think he just kind of stopped and Connor ran headfirst right into him. That's the head coach saying that, for God's sakes. Of it being one of those hits where it's like, for as much as you have the conversation about players needing to protect themselves and not put themselves in the bad situations, I think that's a pretty good example of it, personally. Of course, the downside is Connor Bedard uh, is now on IR with a fractured jaw. It might miss the All-Star game. Um, but hey, at least Boone Jenner will be there. I, I, I love Boone Jenner. I do. But Jesus Christ, Boone Jenner All-Star is quite the sentence. Yep. Um, I had a video out on YouTube going through who the pick was for every team and who it could have been instead. Why the every team has to have an All-Star thing is fucking stupid. Uh, so check that out if you haven't already, because, yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. And it all kind of wraps up to that conversation, right, of the NHL marketing, what it wants to be. Do you want to emphasize the fighting? Fighting goes market, you know, goes viral and is marketable. So do you do that? Then you have the example of what I deem a clean hit on Connor Bedard being contested as, is it a clean hit? Is it not a clean hit? What's the deal there? And then there was another incident where the Red Wings played the Ducks and Dylan Larkin uh, was cross-checked by Mason McTavish and left the game. I don't know if it was for a little bit or not, but it's not even the first incident involving Dylan Larkin this year where he was injured in that fucking crazy incident involving um, David Perron getting revenge with the cross-check that got him suspended for six games. Right. Um, And kind of talking about how safe are players at that point and how safe does he feel as a player? And yesterday um, there was a highlighted hit in the Kings caps game uh, where Laferriere hit Martin Fehervari. And for my money, bit of an unnecessary hit, not the dirtiest, cheapest thing I've ever seen, but it's a rather unnecessary hit that results in a player going awkwardly face first into the boards. And obviously, I was met with a good amount of pushback that I had fun with, honestly. It's always fun to argue with people on Twitter. I enjoy it quite a bit um, as to what's dirty and what's not. And you get into that conversation of players protecting themselves. But imagine how many people saying that that hit was fine or saying that, no, Connor Bedard hit was dirty. I feel like it comes down to who's involved in the situations as to what a lot of people deem dirty or not. And then you get into the conversation of the DOPS's role and how the hockey guy put out a video that I thought was stellar talking about how we're heading towards another fucking Steve Moore incident of what he labeled frontier justice, which is amazing, by the way. 
because the DOPS doesn't do anything and the refs are completely goddamn incompetent and either don't know the rule book or don't care enough to call it. We couldn't go through a show without talking about some of the negative aspects of the NHL, but it's just interesting how that's all bundled up into this whole conversation about what's a dirty hit, what isn't, what's the referees doing their job, what isn't, what does the NHL want to be, what don't they want to be. And, you know, you have that comparison to like what the PWHL is doing right now. And it's like, ah, yes, it's that good feeling of what it's supposed to be like to be a hockey fan and enjoying the product instead of whatever the fuck the NHL is right now. So I've joked about being in a PWHL podcast, but only only mostly. <laughs> only mostly. That is still my uh, my favorite league at the moment, easily. So um, thank you, gentlemen, for allowing me to go on that little bit of a rant. I don't know if you have anything to I add into any of the points, but feel free. You know what? I'm, the thing that's blowing me away the most is uh, uh, did McTavish get a penalty for the cross check? I don't believe so. I can double check huh. that just to be sure. Uh, a couple seasons ago, they uh, cracked down on cross checks for about a month, mm. and then they went right back to not doing anything. Had they continued that, that he he did I, get I called. He okay. did. I mean, he probably because there's an injury, but there's probably. dozens of cross checks every fucking game that nothing happens with them, which yeah. is stupid. It's it's honestly one of the most dangerous plays in hockey. Uh, cross-checking someone, taking your fucking stick, and and a lot of times they aim for where there's no pads too. Like it's fucking vindictive. It's kind of gross when you think about it. I'm gonna try to hit you with this, you know, very hard, un mostly unyielding object right where you have no pads. Um, I, I just sent the clip to you guys of this cross-check. I'd say skip ahead to the 40-second mark to really see this. Um, and Larkin was pissed when he went off the ice. If you freeze frame at about 41 seconds, um, and I can do it here for those on the uh, the video side of things as well. Um, I got a freeze frame up on screen right now. And this is clear as day. How he skates in. And it's like a sandwich hit involving Radko Gudis. And you can see Dylan Larkin's neck snap backwards because his body has nowhere to fucking go again it was called a penalty thankfully a two by the way but this is such an intentional targeted hit in my opinion or at the very least if it's not and you want to say that mctavish is puck watching and then puts his arms up to defend himself his first instinct is to put his arms up in a cross-checking motion. So for as much of that debate as there is about, oh, players need to know how to fucking protect themselves, a big part of how the rule book is written is the guy performing the action, a check, a cross-check, whatever the hell, is responsible for his actions. That's how the rules are written. Look at how the boarding rule is written, for example. So... Yeah, sin, I don't know. <sighs> oh, well. Is what oh, it shucks. is, right? I guess we can't cr- cut down on cross-checking. We've tried very little, and it didn't work. Oh, wait, it did work, but we just stopped for some reason? Yeah. 
Fucking hell. Hmm. Well, with that, everybody, we get to end this show on the high note that the NHL provides. Case point, yet again. Uh, but we did have some fun today. Although Endo is either feeling under the weather or quite tired. But regardless, I thank you for making it through this particular show. I will say one thing about hitting. The women in PW, the women in the PWHL are trying to hit. Some of them still don't know how to, and it's an effort. There was a hit during one of the games where someone went for a hip check and then like just collided straight on with someone's knee. And I'm like, eh. and then a whole discussion started happening where it's like, oh, the girl should be attending a hitting class or a clinic for hitting, which is something you do in minor hockey when you're, you know, starting to play a little more higher level and context starts being added into the game, which is like 14 here in Ontario, I believe. Um, yeah, that that might be something they may need to look into because you know Canada, the the Canadian and U.S. players, you know they're familiar with hitting because a lot of it is here in Canada and the U.S. Hence, with like the the rivalry series and like a few um, uh, OW uh, Ontario Women's Hockey League games that I've seen, like the the minor league games. But uh, the, the the Europeans, they don't really know, I guess. From what it seems about how to hit. So that's one thing that's cool too. So oh, those freaking Europeans and their advisors, no, they don't know completely how to checks. I think completely honest. One of the main reasons why the double IHF didn't allow women to hit in the international play, especially with the women, is because the Americans, the Canadians are were typically bigger, bigger size players. And it was a kind of like a safety issue. And in some certain cases, and that's why the rivalry series is the only series in international play that has not full contact, but a lot higher contact than other international games. Fair enough. Fun fact. There you go. Endo, as we bring this show to a close, what do you have going on? Um, I have a checklist of names for players because you are running your you know, your almost annual series of college football mm-hmm. or college football games or college sports games, excuse me. Um, and, you know, Chad gets the rename. They ran a bunch of, was it just the the freshmen or what? They renamed yeah, all the, the players? Yeah, the new recruits that we bring in. Um, we started on college football last night. Chat voted on it. Um, it was going to be one of the worst teams in the game. And that team ended up being Navy. So we are in the Navy. Um, we are yes, seamen. The midshipmen. Yes. And it's great because I have some great names like Latrice Longbottom, the 16th, uh, Inspect Element, uh, Cody Friedman, because we all know Cody's going to add himself in the game, so want to get it out of the way, literally, as i written over there. Uh, Nihao Nihao, Huangdong Tiger, and my favorite, Matthew Lombardi. Tremendous. Also, Yeet Blackburn. All caps, Yeet, and just regular Blackburn. There you go. I'm excited to see what people come up with. I, I needed a series to run uh, on nights that we weren't uh, playing games on Parsec. So, it worked out well. Sin for the win. What do you got going on? Yeah, just- Nah, nothing much. Check out my YouTube. I got stuff up there. 
There you go. Sim for the Win Productions on the YouTube side of things. Catch them every single day on Sports Gamer GG on Twitch. I'll be right there with them unless I lose power on Wednesday because global warming is real and we're getting violent windstorms instead of snow in January in Maine. It's great. We have fun here. It finally uh, we'll see you all either later on this week or potentially next week. We shall see. Until then, take care, brush your goddamn teeth, and we'll see you next time.